Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, love is what you make of it Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my millennial daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, millennial daughter. This is your baby boomer father. How you been this week? Is that my new official title? <laughs> millennial daughter. Hmm. Um, I have been good just going about my millennial life, you know. <laughs> which <laughs> How which, about you? which translates into being glued to your devices, right? I mean, from time to time. Okay. Okay. That's less than honest, but I'll accept that. <laughs> You have all these preconceived notions oh, of I my do, millennial I lifestyle. I don't think it's completely fair. And I think most baby boomers look at, you know, what's going on technology-wise. And maybe it's because of insecurity and inferiority, but we we kind of look down at it as that goes on in our minds. But anyway. Today we have a an important. Uh, I guess it's. I guess every podcast has an important title, but this is particularly, I think, timely and important. And today's title is "Reclaiming and Redefining Your Life After COVID." So I, I think you'll agree that this is something that we can all get a dose of right now and kind of, kind of start preparing ourselves to feel a little better. Yeah, for sure. I think we all have a pretty clear before and after sort of a situation here. Yeah. Well, before we begin, I'd like to start off with a little song. And this is from 1915. And it has to do with uh, a battle song, a marching song from, from World War I. So just take a listen. And then I'm going to ask you what you think about some of the words in this. So listen carefully. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Pack up your troubles in your own kit bag and smile, smile, smile. While you balloon the bus to light your bag, smile, boys, let's look style. What do you stop worrying? It never was worthwhile. Ooh, pack up your troubles in your own kit bag and smile, smile. So, are you ready to pack up your troubles? <laughs> I did like the part where they say pack up your troubles and move forward because yeah. it sounded like a bit of hope for something new and lighter in the future. But I, I don't love the part where it just says smile, 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 because I think that is sort of like uh, encouraging repression, which is clearly not the best way to heal. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, throw in a, uh, an opposition to that statement. Okay. And you're, you're not going to believe this, but I was kind of 
cruising through some YouTube videos as a, a baby boomer. What? I know that I know that's startling. That is but, startling. But I came across this couple. I I think I think they're from New Jersey. I really can't remember, and I'm sorry, but they have a, a podcast or a, a, at least a a business, and it's it's about smile therapy, and or laughter therapy. Yes, it's, laughter therapy. I've heard of it before. And and it's the craziest thing. They they just you go on and and your whole session is <laughs> and 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 it makes kind of sense in that when we laugh, when we smile, we're we're actually engaging certain chemicals, certain parts of our brain that are associated with better times. So so when we play the song, pack up your troubles, you know, and what's the use of worry? Smile, smile, smile. Sometimes, and I'm not saying all the time, and especially not in acute, difficult circumstances, but sometimes forcing a smile can kind of awaken something in you. Do you get what I'm saying? Definitely. I've actually taken a class of laughter therapy before. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend who teaches it. It's really great. And it's super awkward. And a lot of times you have resistance to trying it. But once you do it, it really does shift your whole mood. So yes, I I totally buy into that. But I I believe that when we have, uh, you know, strong emotions, or, or especially, I feel like everyone experienced some either minor or major form of trauma in the last year. So I mm. I do think that laughing and smiling can definitely shift your current mood, but in order to move forward with like a, you know, a fully healed heart and mind, I think you also have to process the, the pain as well. Absolutely. And you say, you know, kind of, uh, it's been a battle and it's been traumatic for a lot of people, you know, in combat, um, soldiers that are facing uh, shell shock, battle fatigue, war neurosis, but we, we have a new name for it. It's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And clearly there's a, there's a big difference between being in combat and sheltering in place, social distancing, wearing masks. But regardless, there are similarities. You see, PTSD has to do with a trauma with, that's involving prolonged stress and fear, stress and fear, coupled with feelings of helplessness and loss of control. So that sounds like what we've been going through. Trauma, prolonged stress, fear, feelings of helplessness, loss of control. Boy, we've been through a year of kind of a COVID PTSD. I know it's not a diagnostic category for COVID, but it darn well should be, don't you think? Definitely. Yeah. And I think another similarity too, that I noticed over the last year, when you talk about war also, it's, it's, it's such a collective experience. So I think typically when we experience um, pain or suffering, it's isolated. Like it's, it's um, either your own individual experience or a a experience within your own family. Um, And you can sort of rely on others to be there to support you during that time. And I think that in this situation, it affected everybody similar to a war, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so there wasn't anyone that wasn't struggling. No one was excused. Right. You had to find the strength within yourself. And I think that was Mm -hmm. different. You know, know what concerns me is that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of getting into 
guarded optimism at this point, you know, with the vaccines and summer coming here in New Jersey, only in New Jersey, that summer, summer doesn't come <laughs> anywhere else. But we do have it in New Jersey. You know, it's one of the it's one of the few perks of living in New Jersey. That <laughs> summer comes here. Is that just why the taxes it, are so high here? <laughs> just about every year, it just rolls right in. But but what's what's on my mind is that as we grow in kind of an optimistic, guarded optimism, you know, with that PTSD kind of concept, I, I'm thinking as a psychologist of this tsunami of aftershocks, you know, mm. there's going to be continued victims uh, ongoing, not 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 just physical, but emotional. And, and they're going to be psychological wounds. How long do you think it's going to be before you feel comfortable going to a ballpark or the theater or, uh, you know, just just, you know, being in a crowd? You know, if someone yeah. sneezes behind you or someone bumps into you with with post-traumatic stress, a stimulus will bring back all that emotion. So but let's imagine that that we are in a post-pandemic era and we've just come out of this year of of trauma. And I'm I'm standing in line at the grocery store and the, and the guy behind me sneezes uh, in my mind, if there's that stimulus that could awaken a whole reaction of those initial days of feeling out of control and desperate and panicky. You know, it just comes back, bam, and there it is. You know, that's the post-traumatic aspect. These things are imprinted on our brains and it's not gonna take too much to bring that back. So, so we kind of have to expect that this is gonna be a new abnormal normal. Now, eventually in time, we'll desensitize but I, I think it may take a long time. And I don't think people are necessarily prepared. So maybe we could maybe talk a little bit today about preparing people for the emotional kind of hangover. From yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And I think the tricky part about all of this is that it's not it's not so similar to the PTSD from war per se because there's no actual victory day here like there's no particular day where someone's going to you know get on the news and say okay today we've beat covid and so now you can start your new normal and 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 the world is safe again um there's always going to be this sort of lingering transition i think and everyone's going to approach it in their own timing with their own set of cautions. And so I think that just makes it even harder. Like everybody is sort of entering this transition phase right now and at their own pace. So we, we are not only navigating our own experience, but also those around us, because you always have to be aware of what other people are interpreting as safe or not safe. And so I, it's a lot to work through. Yeah. We all, and you've said before, collectively, we all have been altered. And I think it's a misnomer to think that that you have not been changed by this experience. Talk, talk a little bit about how, how it's a kind of inescapable that when, when you go through this, you cannot or should not expect to, to have no after effects. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it said that this is somewhat of a collective near-death experience for those of us who are lucky enough to survive. It's it's the, a chance to reevaluate your own life. And I think we've all sort of been forced to sort of ask ourselves these questions like, you know, how how is it that I'm living my life? And how is it that I survive difficulty? And 
what are the things that bring me meaning? Um, Those questions are all questions that you wind up asking yourself when you start to realize just how fragile and delicate this life is and that Mm -hmm. we're only here for a short time. And unfortunately, we all were sort of faced with that reality this last year. I think while there's a lot of trauma and stress to process, I think a lot of people have had amazing and massive shifts in their life and, and awakenings into things that they never would have discovered had it not been for this massive pause in the busy world that we were so accustomed to. There's just so many reactions we've had that that have kind of chipped away at our confidence, at our serenity. You know, everything from that eight-year-old child who couldn't see grandma to the, the, the elderly person alone in the nursing home. Uh, so many things have, again, eroded our sense of control, confidence, trust in life. See, these are the things that increase vulnerability. There's no question that since beginning of COVID, there has been a tremendous increase in anxiety and depression across the board. So, so these are the aftermath issues that we're talking about. And we'll, we'll, let's, we can get into some of the ways to combat that. But talk to me a little bit about the children. You see them firsthand. Uh, do, do you see changes? Is it visible to a teacher, the changes that may have taken place? Yeah, I, I think that the isolation is is especially hard for children. Mm-hmm. And they say children and then the elderly had the most difficult experiences with isolation, just in terms of the studies that were done. And I, I you know, in order to develop your brain, you need social and emotional interactions. And I think that, unfortunately, that was that was taken away from them. And even at home, like feeling the stress that every family went through, yeah. I think emotionally they internalized that. And a lot of kids don't necessarily have the tools or the strategies to work through their own emotions yet. So there, it, it will be a long process. And I know educationally, you know, and academically kids are struggling to catch up. Yeah, <laughs> these certain milestones that you expect to have happened are, are happening at different rates and and that's okay i think that it's it's it will all be okay as long as we can provide the proper interventions moving forward uh so we just have to be very aware that that kids are are needing time to process and to sort of understand what just happened mm-hmm. you know with with children especially young children young 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 children who can't process any of this you know we all almost instinctually look to our parents when we're young for, for that, that serenity. Uh, they represent, you know, stability, serenity, control. You know, the, so the child is certainly dependent on the parent. What a lot of parents, I don't think, realized is that their stress, their anxiety gets translated, not necessarily verbally, but the child feels it. Mm-hmm. So, so even for that very young child, if, if there's a, a, a parent going through panic with, uh, with COVID or if the parent is feeling changed and hammered and depleted, that, that child begins to feel a kind of implicit stress. So anxiety in very young children is, is certainly something to take into account. They were even saying that newborns who have been born during COVID have, have been hmm. really tense. Their muscles, their... Um their ligaments, everything is, is just more tense because they've absorbed the stress from the parents, from the mother. 
in in utero and i you know i think all of this you know it sounds like very overwhelming for any parent out there that's hearing this but i think it's also important to remember that people especially children are very resilient and so understanding that this is the case right now and that everyone whether or not they are showing symptoms of anxiety everybody has some sort of low level of anxiety and or stress or fear or pain everybody has some of that to process and being able to be open about that and to show your own show your family and especially your kids your own healing process and just to be aware that there needs to be some attention to the social and emotional aspects of life, um, not just paying attention to, you know, the academic rigor and, you know, how to get back into this normal routines. There has to be a transition period where we try and sort of mend and heal the things that have been taken from us. Now, you use the word resilient. We are resilient. We find ways to go forward. But I wonder if we'll ever go back to the naivete of uh, of where we were prior. It's interesting, too, because on the other end of that spectrum, there are a lot of people that are nervous and anxious about going back to the way it was prior. Um, there are a lot of people that are expressing anxiety about going back to the busy, you know, grind, the daily grind that was so like accustomed in their daily life. And then they had the pandemic hit. And while there were stressors to be worked out, they also started having these realizations of, wow, I didn't realize how much i you know, hated my commute or how much, you know, I actually realized I don't like the job I was doing. And, and there's this anxiety of going back to a, a quote unquote new normal and risking all that we've gained in terms of the meaning we've created in our life over the last year. Like, can that fit into this new normal? Hmm. Can I fit into this new normal? So out of the challenges that we've faced, there have been, uh, there has been an evolution in, in, and for, in many ways, and for many people, I think a lot of people have found hobbies, ways to kind of reunite with people and friends and family through Zoom and, and the media. So, so we've, we've learned to sort of come down to some basics. I know uh, I'm, I'm really into, as you know, astronomy. And, and I know the sales of telescopes, there was like a, I wanted to get this new mount for my telescope. There was a nine month wait. Uh, so, you know, it's just like everybody was just, you know, looking up at the sky and, you know, things that they could do mm-hmm. during this pandemic and finding ways to, to stimulate, to be entertained. So a lot of this, I think, teaches us to step out of the mundane you know, the, the kind of uh, routine lives that we led and, and just kind of look, you know, a little bit out of the box at possibilities. Uh, some people, of course, didn't. And some people became, you know, more kind of closed in and shut down. And that's that depressiveness. But for a lot of people, you know, there was there was good energy, you know, people meeting on lawns and yelling across the street. And, and you know, just it, it's something that as we look back on, I think we'll realize that resiliency that did exist during this past year. Yeah, for sure. This podcast was a child of the pandemic. 
I think there's been a lot of creative energy too, just because many people have had more time. And and like you said, of course, that's not everybody. I, you think of the first responders and the nurses and the doctors. I mean, their experience was much, much different than yours or mine. Um, but yeah. and they and they have suffered more uh, in terms of anxiety and depression. You know, these these people that have been under fire and frontline people, you know, they they, they really do suffer, you know, with with the emotional baggage of all of these these terrible traumas so yeah i'd like to get into some some things we can do to improve our evolution as we get into this post-covid period but before i do i i needed to ask you if you know what time it is <laughs> is it pep talk time how did you know it was pep talk I'm, time i'm just so good at predicting the future it is pep talk time Fear is an instinctual response to danger, real or imagined. And when the danger is real, like with COVID, fear mobilizes our resources to protect us from harm. And this is a good thing. We wash our hands, we wear masks, and we create a social distance between us and others. And when fear is associated with insecurity, however, then we wind up protecting ourselves, not necessarily from actual danger, but from fear itself, the old what ifs. When this happens, fear morphs into anxiety. So how do you tell the difference? Well, fear that has been cannibalized by insecurity is primarily a projection of the what ifs. What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? Although seemingly reasonable, what if fear deals with an uncertain future. Since the future doesn't exist, these fears should be thought of as projections of insecurity. So what's the answer? The answer is staying present, dealing with today's circumstances, and taking a risk to live more courageously. Becoming more courageous doesn't mean you have to become fearless. The courageous person doesn't eliminate fear. He or she manages it. It. Mm. I'm, I'm absorbing it all it, it, maybe maybe there wasn't enough enthusiasm no it was that was very there was a lot of depth in that pep talk i'm inspired to live courageously manage my fear oh you listened i did and there was you said something about cannibalism too i was trying to process <laughs> that part i don't know what was that fear kind of fear? did i say cannibalize i think so if you didn't then i have some issues to work out to let fear cannibalize uh, a fear that has been cannibalized by insecurity. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it morphs into anxiety. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting equation. So that was our pep talk because we do need pep talks during this period. We need to be encouraged. And as, as difficult as it has been, we collectively need to start regaining that spirit, that spunk, that fighting courageous attitude so I'd like to start with some self-coaching tips for emotional recovery. Can we do that? Or you want to yes. bring up something else first? No, I want some tips. All right. Well, first of all, let me just begin by saying, don't hesitate to contact a mental health professional if your struggle begins to interfere with your day-to-day -day functioning. Uh, Lauren, you know what I mean by the day-to-day -day functioning? Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it's when you're 
when your sense of normalcy is shaken and you can't feel like yourself, I, I guess is mm-hmm. the way I interpret it. Although yeah. I also hear you saying like, if you need professional help, but there's also a plenty of people out there that might just want professional help just as a, as a way to start processing all the stuff that we all need to process. So good point. And also, you know, help can also come from just sharing, you know, with others, you know, with friends, family, um, socializing through contact, however that may be. You know, that's, that's a form of getting help. <laughs> okay, so yeah. let's let's go through a few ways that we can we can enhance our emotional recovery. Great. Expect to have emotional hesitations you know, about resuming a more normal life. Yet you really need to, you know, this is, I think, healthy to expect that there's going to be some hesitations. Most of these feelings will be short-lived, and but simply ride them out, you know, without always feeling that there's something wrong with you. There isn't something wrong with you. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think giving yourself the the leeway to, to just know that whatever it is that you're, feeling is is valid because we are all you know in this sort of unprecedented situations and yeah and I think like I said earlier too like we are all in this transition phase and in with transition any transition comes uncertainties and unknowns so I think it's just very normal to not feel normal right now yeah that's absolutely true it's not a linear process either it's it you know you might make progress one day and then feel great and then the day later you might go back to feeling anxious and you know it's it's it doesn't have to be linear to be working Mm -hmm. that's absolutely true and being short-sighted is certainly something that we need to guard against so at first don't force yourself to do things that feel uncomfortable you know, and I'm talking, you know, eventually, yeah, you'll, you'll get into all those things, the challenges, the more difficult things. But keep in mind that, you know, desensitization, it's a process. And in time, you're going to begin to see your old, your old self and your emotional life reemerging. I mean, all this stuff is still there. It's, it's been kind of compressed, you know, when you get one of my pillows from the internet and it comes compressed, you, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I just got a my pillow. Oh, did you see how it came in? It, yeah, it comes in, it's like this That's little, such a good metaphor. And, and you have to kind of, I, I was, I, I called up and I said, Hey, what's, <laughs> what's the deal with my pillow? It's, it's like about two inches big. And, and the woman said, well, you have to put it in the dryer. Well, I didn't know that. And then you pull it out of the dryer and there it is. So it's almost like, you know, we, we have to take our little my pillow uh, psyche and, uh, you know, just give it time to unfurl. And I, and I think that, that that's a, a good thing to do. Mm, yeah. And, and I think being patient with yourself during that process is, is important and finding compassion for yourself. So the same way you would for, you know, somebody that you love and not putting deadlines on yourself to feel better, just giving yourself time and compassion and tuning into the body and mind connection also I think that would help you to be much more present and it can help to calm your nervous system like we've all had like you said earlier that that feeling of um, stress where our nervous systems have been running on overdrive so finding ways to just um, take deep breaths tune into the sensations in your body and find ways to to 
soothe, self soothe. <laughs> are you doing laughing therapy or are you laughing yeah. at myself? No, no, millennial? Doing, you said we could find ways. I'm doing laughing therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Santa Claus laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. But let's move on. Okay. Uh, you have to be willing to share with others your concerns and fears. And, you know, one thing you're going to find out if you open up, even though you're hesitant to do that, or you might be a little bit introverted, if you open up, you're going to find you're not alone. I mean, you're just not going to be alone. And people are going to understand and recognize what you're going through because they're experiencing it. So it is very important to be willing to share. Mm. How important is that? I think it, it, I mean, it's everything to feel connected to other people. And there's just this amazing thing that happens when you do uh, share and you're, and you're able to be vulnerable in that way with someone else. It's like, you feel lighter and just generally more connected to yourself and to others. And in this situation, especially it's like these conversations about collective experiences and losses. It's, it's so cathartic because like you said, really everybody can relate in this situation. Mm -hmm. Cathartic is a great word. Where'd you learn to, you know, I, so, I always Cathartic, keep, that was an SAT word. I know, but I keep thinking of you as this young child. Who now I think of cathartic, mom now, taught me to remember it because there's like, it sounds like heart in the middle of it, like cathartic, you think, like it's a release of the heart, cathartic, you know? Yeah, it's a big word in, in uh, <laughs> In psychology also, because, you know, you have this cathartic experience. I, I'm having a cathartic experience now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Back to serious. Back to serious remedies. Self-coaching remedies for emotional recovery. Um, anxious, being anxious, being a little depressed. Being moody, now not necessarily clinical depression or anxiety, but just moodiness, you know, down moods. This might be part of your transition also. So with any mood, you're either starving it or you're feeding it. And you feed an anx anxious or depressed mood by allowing doubts, fears, and negativity to just go unchecked, right? So moods. I think it's a mistake to think that you're just once this is in the rear view mirror, it's going to be just la la land. Mm, yeah, true. And I think also that phrase that I, I love, I think I said it before, like you have to feel it to heal it. Um, so knowing that, like when you are feeling this way, it, you're actually you can remind yourself that like the healing process is underway. Like if you're actually allowing yourself to feel the emotions, like you're, you're actually moving forward, even though it often feels like, you know, you're stuck in this dark abyss. But mm. I think when you, when you are feeling the emotions, like really allowing yourself that, that opportunity, you are moving closer to allowing them to be expressed. And once, once emotions are fully expressed, like emotions are just energy. So once they're able to be expressed, they, they have the ability to move out of your body and your mind. So mm. it's good to know that. And, uh, I was yeah. also just going to say, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. that's okay. I just another trick. I mean, it's not a trick, but <laughs> another tool is, I guess, reframing your thoughts. So trying to catch the negative thoughts. And mm -hmm. and I, I guess this kind of goes along with your ha, 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 laughter therapy, which is like, no, wait, you wait. just 
time out, time out a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll bring you back to the word reframing. I don't, I don't want you to lose that. But Lauren, your laugh yeah. sounds so phony. So does yours, though. No, mine's real. Come on. Is it really? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how you laugh. Hold on, let me do a good one. <laughs> All right, that's good. Okay. That was good. Okay, that was like go a back, maniacal laugh. Go back to your reframing your thoughts. Okay, uh, reframing your thoughts. Yes. Are you re reframing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah reframing your thoughts um catching it, it says catch it check it change it that's like a strategy people use like catch the thought check it to see if it's like aligned in reality and if it's negative and and then you have the power to change it and and what we think determines how we feel so um if you can be a little bit diligent you are able to actually change your mm. thoughts and your and your emotions and also just uh the final thing, sorry, I could keep rambling, but um, distractions are also really helpful. I know that a lot of psychologists, I don't know if you say this too, but a lot of people will say like, you know, eliminate distractions so that you actually are able to like work with the feeling itself instead of, um, you know, veiling it with something else. But, but I do find that when you're really working through something difficult, it helps to feel it, deal with it for a little while and then have a distraction so that you can change your energy field a little bit, whether it's by laughing or uh, just having like a fun experience, doing something that gets your mind off of it for some time. Yeah, I, no, I have absolutely no problem with distractions. In fact, um, when when someone is very, very anxious and they're into ruminative kind of stuff, I'll often say that, you know, break break that pattern by just just distracting, get your head out of that ruminative cycle you know, wow. go for go for a walk. Pick up I, a guitar. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just thought of something. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, well you did mean to interrupt. Uh, no, I didn't. Like, I, it was an it was a unchecked impulse that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, impulse control. No, but what, as you were saying that, it reminded me of this lecture I had gone to with this Navy SEAL, and uh, he was actually talking about the way he reframed his thoughts, which he he had, I guess, certain ruminative thoughts that would come up often like um, the same sort of negative thought and he said like when he would catch himself doing that thought he he chose an action to do with his body and he had to do it every time so like when he would hear the negative thought come in he would like snap his fingers or he would clap his hands or whatever it was and he had to actually use that body process to take the attention the energy out of the mind and into the body and he was saying it was like a very helpful tool what do you think of that? Does that make sense? That of that would like stop the sense. train of thought? Yeah, there's so many, you know, the old behavioral technique of a little rubber band around your wrist and snapping it, snap out of it. You know, hmm. Things like that are very, very helpful. Okay. So we have to be aware of what if worrying, you know, that's that ruminative stuff. And usually all worry is geared toward an anticipation of future problems and chaos. Now you have your little mantras and I have mine. <laughs> mine. So when you are dealing with ruminative worry, you know, and, and worry, by the way, of course, deals with future events. So it, it doesn't exist. It's the what ifs. So we, we leave the present and we go into this what if future and we get caught up in it and we get into these ruminative cycles. So my little mantra is, 
when you find yourself in a what if spiral, just say to yourself very forcefully, stop it, drop it. So that's it. Stop it, drop it. And it's it's really important to, to recognize that sometimes just getting your attention like that is enough because you're reminding yourself, hey, what am I doing? I'm just being shabby in my thinking. I'm just allowing, indulging myself with these thoughts. Stop it, drop it. Mm. Do you have any other tips for being present? You know, we have to stay present. You know, tomorrow will take care of itself. But, you know, aside from stop and drop, and distractions. Any tips for being present? You're the guru on being present. So come on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in order to be present, you notice without judgment, you take a moment to notice the thoughts in your mind, um, but you don't attach to them. That's the trick. Like it's hard to explain unless you actually try it, but when you notice what you're thinking and you let the thoughts just sort of pass through and people often will use the metaphor of like a beautiful daytime sky, a beautiful blue sky. And you basically, every time you think have thoughts, you imagine them floating away like clouds um, and you just return to this blue sky in your mind. So it's, it's noticing that you're having the thoughts, not attaching or identifying to them. Uh, also noticing the sensations in your body, um, feeling the textures of your clothing, feeling heat or cool or hunger pains or muscle pains or whatever it is, just noticing what's happening. Again, not attaching to it, just noticing it. And um, your surroundings is the third part. So to become hyper aware of everything around you, almost as if as if someone were about to blindfold you and then ask you to describe your, your um, environment, mm-hmm. would you be able to do it? You know, the, the, the tactile connection is very important. You know, these are things that really can make you make a big difference in wanting to be present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, if you think about it too, like our, our being only has a finite amount of energy in it and your brain actually uses a good portion of that energy. And when you're anxious, it's actually using a lot more. So um, you'll, you'll meet people. I'm sure you do all the time that, don't actually move their body much during the day, but they're absolutely exhausted. And it's because their mental energy is just on overdrive. So we've got to do a whole podcast on that. That's, that's a great concept. I never thought of that before. And just, just go over that again for a second. Okay, sure. But the, so the point that, that I wanted to make just before I lose it is that Darn it. Um wait, so okay, no, so you it's have gone. A, it's gone. You only have so much energy inside <laughs> of your being, right? So um if you are using a lot of emotional energy or a lot of mental energy, uh there's not you're not as Mm, darn it. I've totally lost it. But wait, the, the, so the point that I wanted to make, I'm losing oh my energy. gosh, this is so I'm bad. Energy. I know. Oh my gosh. My um, so when you use, me. when you use the tactile as a way to exit your mind, like as a way to get the, the thoughts out of your mind, you're actually taking the energy from your brain and you're transferring it into your body. And when you actually do certain actions, you can release energy through certain actions. You can release energy through breath, through sound, and through movement. So you can take the excess energy that's in your mind, and you can release it through your body in one of those three ways. I'd be afraid to 
take the excess energy out of my mind and release it. I mean, how do I know there'll be any energy left? <laughs> well, I guess that's another problem. I mean, for I'm beginning day. to feel that, you know, at the end of this podcast, I'm, I'm feeling there's not much energy left. And I know I'm exhausted after explaining that last thing that I don't even know if it made sense. No, I, I, it's okay. It's okay. You don't always have to make sense. Did it though? It did. I love the concept. I, I'm serious about doing a podcast on that. That, oh. you know, the fatigue and, and mental fatigue. It has a lot to do with the expenditure of energy. And maybe we could talk about the different ways that we squander our energy. Mm. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah. Squander is a fun word too. I'm a squanderer. Are you a squanderer? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen. It does really work. I think when you make yourself fake laugh, you start yeah, to really laugh. You feel good. So anybody yeah. listening to this podcast, just laugh with us for Two on the seconds. count of three. On the count One, of three. Two, two three. three. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? I feel good. It's good, right? right? Yeah, yeah, your Santa laugh now, is really great. Anybody up. listening to this did not laugh, then shame on you. Right. Well, maybe they're not in like a laughable environment. I, I guess. And and of course. Stop putting shame on people. We're trying to get shame away from people. Well, oh, gee. Yeah. You know, I was looking today. Do you know we are now, uh, this podcast is in 35 different countries. So I wonder if there are some people listening in different parts of the world that are more prone to laughter than others. Well, we'll have to check that out. Oh, you know what? Let's let's ask. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what is our? Did you recall our email? If people want to just write in and tell us what, what they're laughing about or, sure. or any questions they may have, but what is that? Uh, the email that, is selfcoachingpodcast at gmail dot com. Ah, okay. So if you are in Europe or Asia or Antarctica, and you're listening to this podcast and you're either chilly or sweating, um, let us know. <laughs> I don't know what the temperature is. <laughs> Great. So listen, Lauren, it's that time where I ask you, do you have any closing remarks? Don't yes, say I do. You do. You mm-hmm. do. Did you I prepared? Um, <laughs> no, not really. A lot of preparation went into this. I can see that. Wow. <laughs> Go ahead. So so my closing remarks are just that there's a lot of clarity that can come from suffering. So throughout this past year, everyone's had their own challenges and their own form of suffering in one way or another, at least some form of loss. And I think as we move on and move forward, um, we have this window right now while everything's still kind of close and clear that we can assess what are some things that we've learned that we want to take with us and what are some things that we want to leave behind and how do you create a new normal that that you most crave or desire so as we move into this new time it's it's kind of like a fresh start in a lot of ways how do you redefine the life that you really want to live very good hmm very good. You almost had me convinced that you prepared. <laughs> I had the word clarity written on my paper, so. <laughs> but, you know, as, as we wind down right now, I, I would like to say that, you know, of course, there have been some 
real tragedies in this past year and lost loved ones and jobs and careers. And it's hard to imagine that we can recoup from some of this, but, but again, let's just remember how resilient we are as a species. And as much as this, this virus has taken away from us, just put one foot in front of the other and harness that courage and realize that, you know, fear is, you may not be able to totally eliminate it, but you can manage it. So let's manage our lives in a constructive way. Let's, let's go forward. We're all in this together and, and you're not alone. And we are all part of this struggle to reclaim something that, that has been brutally taken away from us, but we'll get it back. That's my closing remark. Mm, those were great. Yeah. So anyway, I would like you all to visit our website, selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me as we laugh our way through next week's episode. <laughs> and let's Believe make it simple yourself. together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart.